Hello, folks. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am here with our illustrious producer, Dylan Carnival, uh, our wonderful co-host, John Amayo. I am Peter Engler, uh, the Adult Ministries Director at Browncroft Community Church. We are here with a fantastic guest. His name is Gavin Brown. He is from the wonderful, my alma mater, the University of Valley Forge. Mascot is what? Mascot of a Patriot. The Patriots. Wow. So we might touch on that. We'll see. Okay. Um, But the question uh, that we're dealing with, and remember the Why God Why podcast, we exist to answer the questions that you might not feel comfortable asking in church. The question that Gavin is going to answer for us is, why is the church hesitant to confront racism? John, why don't you get us started with uh, this this topic? Wow. Well, um, I, I am just really excited to talk with Gavin. We've already been talking po- pre-show, and I just feel like this is going to be a fantastic conversation. So um, I have some perspectives, but I know that he brings a wealth of information here, not just information, but a heart to this conversation that's going to be super beneficial. And um, I'm looking forward to just listening to more about what what he tells us and his experience. I, I think it's going to be really rewarding for everybody who's listening to this podcast. So I'm looking forward to asking some questions, interacting together about this topic because it's so timely. It's so important. And this is following basically three other podcasts that we've had around this topic. And I think ending really on the subject of where does the church go from here, I think puts a fantastic bow on, it it doesn't put a bow, but it helps us start this conversation off where we want it to go. So anyway. Yeah. And just a a little bit about Gavin, you know, Gavin brings a perspective because he's pastored at churches. So it's not just he's attended churches. He's been a youth pastor, you know, in Baltimore and Michigan, and now he's a lead pastor. And so just to hear the stories that he has from pastoring, Mm -hmm. I think is going to be very beneficial to us. One uh, fun note. So I told Gavin when I was on the phone, uh, he was the voice of the Valley Forge basketball Patriots. Yes. And I just loved him so much. I said, I want to do that. So we both we both were the announcers of that. Wow. So we I'm in the midst of royalty right here. This is amazing. It was <laughs> it was the best gym credit A plus I've ever gotten in my life. Thank you, John Matt. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh on that note, let's uh you know, let's get started. Um Gavin, I, I kinda wanna back up from our first question of you you've been on so many different podcasts, your posts have been very, um, just pastoral, truthful and graceful. Um, where are you at right now in the last couple months, just emotionally, spiritually, um, where do you feel like God's working in your life? Yeah. Well, Hey Peter, John, thank you so much for, um, having me on this amazing podcast and, uh, just believe in what you guys are doing. I appreciate your heart and your desire to move these things forward and to really be a positive voice and, and, you know, into all of this. So thank you very much. And, uh, yes, you know, Peter, if I've done anything in your life to precede you into what you became the voice of Valley Forge, then you need to take all the credit. Don't, don't put me in any of that. All right. And I'm glad John Mack gave you a great A on that, my friend. But, um, yeah, with me, man, obviously it's been a lot, um, this, in this, uh, in, in our culture, in our, in our country, of course, in our world, as we look at, you know, racial uh, tension tightened, um, you know, and I, I will tell you when the Ahmad 
Arbery situation happened, um, I, that was kind of a trigger for me. It's been many triggers, you know, in my past, but, you know, being a, as a pastor, as a person, and, and now even a father of a son, um, reading, um, in other words, first of all, I got um, the message about Amal Arbery before going into a Bible study. Um, it was actually a prayer meeting. I thank God that it was a prayer meeting because sometimes as pastors, you know, because you're pastor, you're praying versus having to talk a little bit more and other people are praying. Um, you know, it, it was tough to see the video. Mm-hmm. And then after, so it messed with me uh, throughout the whole hour. I didn't mention anything of it except for we need to pray for our world, you know, pray for our country. But then when I got done with that, I went back upstairs on the couch uh, from our basement and um, just read some notes from the father of Ahmaud Arbery. And it just struck something within me. And I just felt compelled to put some thoughts on paper, which led to, you know, fine tuning a little bit and, and just to share some things to my amazement. that got a lot of, uh, res- you know, just it resonated with, with many people. Um, and then, uh, you know, we took a little break, went out of town and, you know, there's a situation that happened as well with, you know, George Floyd. And that situation seemed to be, again, a spark and what I've heard that someone said it better, a trigger to many, um, you know, unfortunate experiences in the black community, majority wise. Uh, and, um, you know, for me as well. So I kind of liken it as a, you know, we've had these masks on. If you've been going into stores and it, many of us have been humbled, you know, at times we put that mask on, even if we brush our teeth, we floss, we got a man in there, you know, as you're walking in, you kind of facing, you know, at times your own breath at times. And, and I know we all like to think our breath smells well. Those masks have a way or a way to tell us the truth. Uh, but that as an analogy towards America, that this has been somewhat of a smell in our culture for, for hundreds of years. And uh, man, w- what a prime opportunity, hopefully, to truly look at it from all types of angles. And it sparked much conversation, of course. But for me, man, I will say, as, as many people would say, man, you just look at the situation and feel, or you look at these situations and feel like there's no hope. I, I am hopeful. Mm-hmm. I think I've watched and witnessed and heard, have responded to many messages. Um, my Caucasian brothers and sisters and my African-American brothers and sisters, people across all different other ethnic lines of just, you know, the desire to learn, desire to grow, the desire to fess up, the desire to you know, look into their heart. And so at times it seems troubling, but at the the same time, um, I I have a lot of hope, my friend. So that's Mm kind of where I am today. I would love to say that, man, we're not going to be down this road again. Uh, But, you know, I I just realized we look through history as we have looked at our short-term history. You know, as, as much as I hate to admit that it could happen again, it probably will. But the thing is, what an opportunity we have. There's a tiny proverb that says um, there's two 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 sides um, to any crisis and you know there's there's danger on one side and it's also opportunity and so I tend to look at this as an opportunity um, for our church for our culture uh, for we as a people to move forward and grow from this so that we don't waste the pain the tears the frustration and, and even anger mm. Man, Gavin, as you're talking, I, I love your combination of you're your blending this like reality of the present with a hope for the future yeah. as you're talking. And I love I love that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do want to kind of dwell in the reality of the present just for just for a little bit. I do want to move. I don't want to yeah. stay there for our whole interview, but I do want to I do want to acknowledge it and, and truly have an opportunity yeah. to 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 yeah. acknowledge it and experience it together. So 
Um, one of the questions I think people might have is, yeah, but the church is pretty good, right? I mean, the church is fine. Yeah. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. famously said the most segregated hour of the week is 11 o'clock on Sunday yeah. mornings. And I don't know that that's gotten all that much better since when he first said that in, I believe, it was 1960 or something like that. So it's like, you know, how how have you experienced, have you, I guess I, that, that's a better question, yeah. have you experienced yeah. racism in the context of the church? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Great question. And, um, you know... I don't speak for many. I speak for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I may even give a little bit of insight from a, a situation my wife was a part of. But yeah, as a youth pastor early on, um, I was, uh, you know, a, a mother wanted to come into my office for a meeting, and she came in towards the end of the day, and she basically sat down and said, "You know, I don't think you can connect with my with my son, you know, her, her white son, and because." And she just put it out there as she rubbed her arm up and down, and she said, "Because of your skin color, basically." So right there, I was hit, you know, shockingly, surprisingly, you know, by a, a lady within the church who felt that there was no chance. Um, my, my background wasn't considered. I don't think she ever sat in, you know, any messages or hadn't seen me interact with her child. But she just said, hey, because of your skin color, man, you, you can't connect. Um, there's another situation as well in another church as a youth pastor um, where I was told by my superior that, there's some families leaving the church. They didn't want their kids under um, an African-American in leadership. And the term white flight was taught for that in, in front of the whole church. And anytime I heard that terminology, I just felt like I was the reason that white people were leaving, mm-hmm. um, being the only African-American on staff. And so um, these moments were tough. My wife was um, in a relationship. She was in the car with an acquaintance of a church. And, you know, the father of the acquaintance um, called in through the intercom on the phone in the car and basically, you know, asked her or reminded her or told her, basically, you're not voting for any of those NIDERs, are you? It was um, voting season, and my wife just was, you know, floored. Um, you know, the situation um, where I was getting some pulpit presence speaking, and, um, you know, an associate basically said, it seems like reverse affirmative action towards me. And, you know, and, and to just kind of when I got the news, I quietly gathered the things in my office and just left early for that day, just angered, frustrated. So these are situations again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've experienced within the church, but I dealt with some things outside of it. Absolutely. Um, I expected it, it more outside, but in the church, you know, boom, you know, it was very surprising and, and, and hurtful, but I will say to that as well, that, you know what? <laughs> At the church, I think sometimes can tend to, bad because of you know we're supposed to be the church we're supposed to represent Jesus and all type of things but I'm learning more and more that there's sinners within the church as well you know and you know racism it's funny any type of sin other sin temptation lust or gluttony sometimes I get upset about that one because I'm like you know I gotta be self-controlled of what I eat and all that but when the racism card comes up fellas it seems like there's such like a awkwardness and uncomfortableness and so we just gotta remind ourselves that the church is for the sick not just the, not the healthy and um you know there's people in the church that are you know dealing with junk just as much as people outside of the church so i'll say that but yeah i have experienced things uh, of racism within the church absolutely 
Um, you know, Gavin, I was thinking about, um, you and I, I think we probably took, we grew up in the assemblies of God, you know, denomination and, um, you know, the sad part about that is there is racist history in the background, you know, you know, the, not to go into a full history lesson, but you know, the founder, I shouldn't say founder, but probably the main inspiration, his name's Charles Parham. He basically told a student, you know, um, William Seymour, that, hey, you need to sit outside the classroom. And William Seymour, you know, for those of you, you want to Google this, look it up on Wikipedia. (laughs) He talked about the Holy Spirit's empowerment really being not just about, you know, speaking in other tongues. We're getting really technical here, but Mm -hmm. about unifying the church. And, you know, I just think about this. why do you think, you know, we have these stories, you and I have that yeah. shared story. Why yeah. is the church just so hesitant? You've kind of hit on this, but yeah. like, I'm, yeah. I told you that story from like a hundred years ago and here we are You're 2020, fine. we're still talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. You know, I think there's a combination of things, Peter. I think, you know, one, I think sometimes we are afraid of looking at the real issue. I think we're looking at issues at times with the wrong lenses. A lot of times we think that the gospel is only for churchified stuff, and we look at these things in the world that are going on, and we just say it's just social justice issues or whatever, when in fact, perhaps we haven't spoken too much about it, to, you know, so that when it arises, you know, you know, we, we, we're kind of, you know, deer stuck in the headlights. And, Charles Barkley, a great theologian, said this, America doesn't care about race until something comes up. <laughs> and so I, I think a lot of times the church has been guilty, unfortunately. Only you want to talk about these things when something of this magnitude um, comes up. And we're seeing it happening in the, in the media. So that's one thing. I think, you know, a term I thought of as well is, um, you know, people fear what they don't understand. I think if there's something that's uncomfortable, um, you know, something that, oh, it has the potential to, to give sparks. At times we've shown as the church to be afraid of those things. So let's not even touch it. Let's not even go there because, man, I don't know how this, I think there's a part of it as well. We want more control than we're willing to admit sometimes. We want to control the conversation. We want to control the, we want to control the emotions of it. And with this issue of racism, this sin issue, we just can't do that. We have to be open to just let it go in some regard. Now, of course, responsibility, respect, civility, all those type of things. But, man, we've seen that sometimes we're in denial that this is really an issue and has really affected many people in the church, many of your black brothers and sisters. Um, I pastor a wonderful church that's diverse, but one of my concerns as a senior pastor is that we're only unified you know, on that hour of Sunday morning. But when we leave the church, there's no one breaking bread. So I'm I'm stressing big time on the other part. You know, let's not celebrate that we're here together in our different cultures. But can we also have conversation? Can we bear one another's burden? And can we love one another uh, when the world is, and let's just be divisive against one another. The church has to magnify something different. I think we fail to some degree, um, and we've made much progress. But I think that is another deal. We fail to really see that, man, we're in this thing together. Even Mm -hmm. if our, um, you know, political affiliations don't line up together, even if one party is saying this or that, man, the world needs to see that in the church, 
are, we're united under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I think we failed that at times. You see it through people's posts. You see it through um, a lack of empathy, a lack of sympathy. You see it through just callousness. If something hasn't affected you, so you feel that you have the you know, desire to give your cherry-picking list of points and all and that causes one side to just say, you really don't care. So that has to be repaired before we get back to the main issue. And uh, mm-hmm. so those things are what I would say are, are some reasons that we've seen it um, really affecting and, and not being addressed in the church. Mm. When when I hear you talk, Gavin, I, I, even I'm just reflecting. I'm I'm still kind of stuck back on the experiences that you you shared as well. So yeah. I'm listening to yeah. you and I'm I'm tracking with you as you're talking, and and I'm just yeah. I'm letting it sink in, like what it must have been like to go through that, mm. to like to like yeah. have someone call you out and say essentially you're not you're not able to do this. And this, we're not yeah. talking fifty years ago here. We're not talking no, sixty no. years ago. This is a, this is a modern thing. And so I, I don't know where I'm going with us, other than to say like that, that hurts my heart that you yeah. you experience that. Like, yeah. I, and I, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it other than that. That's where I'm, I'm I'm kind of caught up in that, just thinking about what that's like and and the reality, yeah. letting the reality of that sink in, you know. I, I appreciate you, John, sitting with that. You know what I mean? And, and it, it actually triggered another one instance as well. I, I was in the process of, um, you know, coming to the church that I was on. Um, on I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to serve as pastor right now. I was basically asked by an associate, a friend of mine, not at that church, but in the process of interviewing. He said basically, you know, what does your church think about having an African-American as their senior pastor? It caught me off guard, and it made me think about, man, I don't know if there's any of my white brothers and friends and sisters who have ever had a question about them getting a job in the ministry based Mm -hmm. on, you know, how does the, you know, the congregation feel about their color. There's something that they have no control over. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it just made me do a double take and just realize that, man, many people would just say in, in blind that this is not an issue, that a lot of times we, we've moved on. No, I'm not racist because I got one black friend. I'm not racist because, you know what, I'm not with the KKK. I'm not. But, man, there's this implicit bias stuff, too, of racism that I think is a little bit more dangerous than the explicit racism. And so um, these are issues that leave you, again, just hurt internally. Um, they leave you a little dumbfounded. It brings you to a place of even wondering, hey, do I even stick it out? If this is just a reoccurring deal, um, why even stick around? But I think there's a dangerous, there's a danger of homogenizing a group of people. And, 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 and as much as I, you know, have hurt and pain from these particular um, occurrences, I also thought about, you know, some great Caucasian friends and, you know, that, that have loved me based on just who I was versus, you know, my color that looked at me as not just a reminder that, Hey, Gavin, you're black or, you know, you're going to lack in these different things, but they just accepted me for who I am. And so again, that gives me, you know, incredible hope um, that, yeah. And then of course the gospel tells us that, you know, we've got to love, you know, that we've got to, you know, in the midst of all this, a lot of times we we can, the dangerous to stop at the part of, you know, I'm angered, I, I, I'm in outrage, I'm in, you know, just frustration. 
in grief, but we forget at sometimes that there's a, there's a there's another part of the spectrum of the gospel, mm-hmm. and that's to love those who, who don't show love to you. Um, that is to turn the other cheek. That is to you know what forgive um, and, and 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 try to you know pray for your enemies. And so um, some of these instances, I've had some conversations, and in some of these I haven't. But I don't have to necessarily you know, have that other person extend forgiveness for me to be able to forgive them. So again, the gospel has helped me allow that. But yes, John, mm. um, I've sat in it many times, my friend, mm. and it, it has hurt. Well, and it has been unfortunate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Gavin, you and I were on a phone conversation and, you know, again, I, I, I kind of want to follow John's direction and just kind of where you went. Yeah. Um, you know, you had said that really wounded you and it took a yeah. while to kind of, and you know, here, here's kind of the deal. Like, you know, pastors, like, I feel like they're called by God. Um, you know, just, you know, just as much as engineers are called by God to love your name. And like, as followers of Jesus, we need to focus on the calling and the character, but to bring up these periphery things, help people understand the process of healing that you've had to walk through because of that moment. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, great, great question, Peter. Um, the process, wow. Um, you know, there's almost liken it to the process of, you know, I, I buried two sisters, um, almost about 10 years ago and, you know, you, you got the grief, the cycles of grief and, you know, you've got the anger, you've got the denial, you've got the bargaining, you've got the, okay, you know, just dealing that this is reality. I think I went through those early on, these experiences with racism or experiences with, you know, just just hurt on the on the lines of racial, you know, tension. I went through all that as a young kid. Think, I'm 22, 23 dealing with these things. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I remember being in a line, you know, at a, at a sectional meeting and, and we're being served different things and, you know, I didn't want the green pasta. I was behind this old man. He's probably in his 70s or 80s. And he just turned around. I said no to the lady. It's not soul food, huh? And that was like my introduction. I feel like, whoa, this is how the AG is. This is, you know what I mean? So these moments you, you take, I will say, Peter, it's lonely at times because here's the deal as well. You know, I've been on staff where I've been usually the only African-American. Mm. So when you hit these different moments, you're fearful in a sense of being labeled as, if you talk about this type of stuff, the angry black man, you know, mm-hmm. on staff, or you're just, you know, there, there's this type of, if you don't know, there's this type of labeling that you risk, um, you know, having thrown on you. And, and it almost could seem like a doomsday or like, you know what? I'm thinking about if I voice this, um, do, am I, do I become a target? You know, if I voice this and my, my job in jeopardy, you know, maybe I am just perhaps that token person just to be here and be silent, do your job. But when these moments hit, you're at the table, but the questions come in your mind, are you welcome at the table? Okay. Just to go in some of the process that, that I'm feeling, um, you're wondering, Hey, you know what does my, do I bring any value outside of my skin color? And when that's even challenged, you're kind of like, whoa, you know, you're jaded a little bit. Um, mm. Those are the process of the wound. And so, and, and, and if you're not, 
if you don't have someone to talk, which luckily I did, um, those wounds can become, you know, a scab that becomes hardened and it can lead to bitterness, I believe. And I have two friends, African-Americans, who are no longer in our fellowship. I hate to say because of some of these same occurrences. Now, I didn't feel called to leave. I feel that even in this moment, seriously, about a month ago, I feel that, you know, God perhaps had me stay because of the stuff that we're seeing in our nation and to be a voice to say, you know what, you know, here's how we can move forward in spite of, and perhaps also to be a revealer to some of those who have been in denial, some white people in the church, I should say, not all, some white people have been, you know, in denial that this isn't an issue. And I'm here to say, man, like you said, it's just been over a decade ago. I've experienced some of these very things. Mm. Mm. You you mentioned and if the... I as a pastor, yeah, and if, I'm sorry, and if, if I as no. a church leader, a pastor, have experienced some of these things within the church. Think about oh. how some parishioners may have, you know, what they may have experienced as well. So yeah. wow, wow, definitely. And you and as you were talking there, Gavin, you said a word that that really rung out to me. You said a, a, a word, you know, sometimes you feel, it's easy to feel jaded, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and we, we just had an interview a, a couple of weeks ago with the, uh, the chief of the police force here in Rochester. And he was actually yeah. saying the same thing. He, was, he used that same yeah. word in, in a conversation yeah. in terms of the, the feeling of, 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 of really just hitting reality and, and you have two options. You can either become jaded or you can, you can move through yeah. that. I, I wonder, as I hear your right. story, like what is there, how, how do you not go to that jaded place? Because as I interact with you, I'm like, I love this guy. Like, like you have this warmth <laughs> and this connection about you that, that you have experienced this hardship and the, these, these things that none of us should have to deal with. And yet you're still saying, I have hope. Like what keeps yeah. you with that hope? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think great question. You know, I think the gospel, man, I think in these instances that I've experienced, I've had to come to remind myself that my identity is not just a part of my skin color, mm -hmm. that I'm a part of a different citizenship, that I'm a child of God. My grandmother had a thing and uh, she said, Gavin, um, it doesn't matter what they call you. As long as they don't call you too, um, you know, too, too, too late to eat. Basically, I always wonder, girl, what are you talking about? And she, she was trying to convey to me that Gavin, you got three plates a day. Um, you're neither to be care of. So who cares what people call you? But I think she was also being a God fearing, you know, grandmother was trying to let me know that, you know, I'm a child of the king, mm. um, regardless of what racist people may say, um, regardless of what names I may be calling. It's funny because my grandma called me all kinds of names. One of them primarily being black boy. Okay. She just, you know, called me that. I think she was just building myself team up, you know what I'm saying? But, but she, she loved me. But I think again, John, the gospel, man, that my citizenship is not of this world. I think the hope of looking at, man, we're going to be in a world one day where, you know what, we're going to, we're going to stand before our, our color, our God who is not colorblind. And he's mm -hmm. going to, every tribe, every color, every creed. And so, and also there's an expectation that, you know what? Jesus said, this world, man, you're going to have trials and tribulations. And I'm not just trying to put some churchy answers, but I think 
the gospel helps inform me regularly of who I am and who I'm not. Mm -hmm. And so um, just like, you know, white supremacists years ago during slavery, you misused the gospel to, Mm -hmm. you know, to give more credibility to their, you know, cause and evil, you know, regime. I'm trying to say, you know what, we need to use the gospel from what it's for to remind us, to reaffirm us of who we are in Jesus Christ. So that has been a tethering for me in spite of all those things that I believe has allowed me to stay, you know. You know Gavin, I, I, I want to come back to some of that. I, I want to go a little off script. Um, okay. So as someone... Um, you know, you had mentioned being the only black staffer at a church. Um, yeah. You know, I'm imagining in the next six months to a year, it's going to be messy. Um, you know, yeah. so there's going to be, you know, black people that attend white churches. Um, there's yeah. there's churches that are going to be hiring black staff in, in the motive and yeah. the heart of representing heaven more and and as i think of what you just said i didn't feel safe to say what i felt um what does it look like for white people whether attending or serving on staff at a church to create a safe environment for more diversity for for black people to share about their experience like if you could go back and do it over again from the church experiences that you had, and again, we've said this before in conversation, yeah. you don't represent all black people, but from your perspective, no. what what would you say, yeah. this is the environment and what it looks like? Yeah, wow. Man, I think environment where people feel comfortable, it's a safe culture, the safe environment for these type of conversations to be had. I think it starts with leadership. I think in predominantly these cause we're talking about, most likely we're talking about a Caucasian pastor, and there's nothing wrong with Caucasian pastors. I've served under them, love them. Um, but I think we have waited so much out of perhaps insecurity, out of, you know, fear of rocking the boat, and perhaps even, I dare say, Maybe there's a nervousness that this could affect some of the big givers the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And so I may want to be careful. I think we've got to just, again, look at the gospel and reaffirm to our church that this is not a social gospel issue anyway. This is is a gospel, this is a moral issue. There's the same fight where, where King was fighting with other white evangelical clergy, fellas, where he was trying to tell them, I need my white brothers and sisters to come stand with me. And many weren't. Mm-hmm. Many weren't coming out and just using their voice. And I would say in that time and even this time now, their privileged voice to speak mm-hmm. of these issues. I think leadership, church leadership, white pastors. If, <laughs> sorry, I lost my net, my, my, my earphones here. Wow, I'm getting really passionate. I'm moving my arms and stuff. Sorry. I think white pastors, you guys still there? Yeah, we're Um, here. We got you. You know, to see that this is a, this is a moral issue and we need your voice and we need to reaffirm it to our congregation that yes, our weapons are not carnal, um, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And if we don't get into this, who else will? And so really taking a service, uh, this, 
as an issue that we not only talk about when we see it rise up in our society, but we make this a regular conversation. Perhaps it's a normal preaching, um, you know, series um, once or twice a year about, yes, our humanity, of course, but also, you know, what's gone wrong with humanity and preaching on racism, preaching on, you know, acceptance, preaching on, you know, the, the history, the, the prejudice that I believe, again, you all believe this is from the pit of hell and how, you know, he loves the vision and he wants it in the church. And when he sees it in the church, you know what? He's going to have a field day. He's going to set up a picnic. And so how do we start to get that? We need to make this regular. I think, you know, um, you know, for some churches, certain areas of the, of the, of the year, so things such as black history. I'm not saying you got to honor black history month every you know, Sunday of the, of the, of the month. But I think those could be some steps in some churches that have been hesitant or, you know, not even doing something to say, you know what, let's start here. Let's look at a way that we could, you know, acknowledge, you know, some of the things that haven't been acknowledged. Um, I think not politicizing every answer, you mm-hmm. know, um, the black Lives matter movement, we can focus so much on the negatives of the organization. I get that, but man, I think the port to stop, you know, throwing the, ba- the baby out with the bathwater and say, you know what, does black life matter? Or perhaps go to the question deeper and say, why are majority of black <laughs> people screaming out that my life matters? Mm. You can look in the 60s and see, you know, before the Black Lives Matter signs were being put everywhere, there were signs by black people saying that I am a human. Mm. Why? Because they were counted as, you know, three of a person, which is totally against what God had put out there. And so, man... I think, again, getting using your pulpit, using your influence to truly influence, especially moments like this. You know, I'm not against white privilege, okay? Here's what I mean by that. Jesus had privileges, okay? Philippians 2, though, it says that Jesus stepped down, okay? He didn't equality with God, something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. And so I would say in many of our diverse churches, AD churches led by white pastors, we need you as white pastors to virtually come down, to, 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 to take your privilege and use it uh, better. I'm not saying you failed. I'm just saying that in, when these moments happen, there has been at times muteness, there's been confusion in the church. And I believe it starts with the top. I think when these moments happen, I think we need to practically call some of our black brothers and sisters of influence in our congregation and ask them, literally ask them, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Where are you at? You know, people have reached out to me, white friends that I've brushed over with, just to call and text Gavin, I'm thinking about you. You don't know how much that means just to realize that, man, I'm a person. Mm-hmm. I'm a brother. And if I'm hurting, as First Corinthians tells us, you know what? If one part suffers, we all suffer. All right. Instead of us bringing up our cherry picker points of, you know, why is there black on black crime and where is this? We are. Are we not forgetting that still this is still an issue? You know, um, you know, the, the whole deal about, you know, all lives matter. Um, you know what? If I said to my wife, hey, huh, if she asked me, Gavin, you know what? Hey, do you love me? And I responded back by saying, hey, baby, I love everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, that, 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 that wouldn't be, I wouldn't probably get a good answer back from her. I think it's the same thing when we look at some things that, hey, we know that all lives matter. I don't think we're saying only black lives matter. Um, there's just been a cry that, man, 
does my life even matter? You know, in the 60s, it was, hey, can we just be civil? <laughs> can we just be civil towards one another? Can we just have civil rights? So I think being careful of having keyboard courage within the church mm-hmm. and hiding behind those things and forgetting that on the other side, there's actual humans that are going to read this and mm-hmm. how we feel and how they go to feel. Um, I think, too, another thing, and I'll stop here, uh, is getting back to this person's human. You mm-hmm. know, this person is a human. Um, you know, before we talk about racism, do we greet one another? You know, a lot of us are talking about the big stuff we see on TV, but are we even talking to each other when we see each other in the foyer? Mm-hmm. Um, in the midst of all this, are mm-hmm. we, you know, embracing? Are we, you know, like I said earlier, making phone calls, checking on one another? I think this can help aid in the environment um, to help us to move forward as a people, especially in the church, when it comes to racial tension in our nation. Wow. Man, wow. Gavin, I, I I love how practical you got and just saying hello in the foyer. Um, yeah. You know, I've had conversations with white and black people that have gone to church and both share the yeah. same story. Like sometimes they go to a church and they say, no one said hello to me. When I talk with a white person, yeah. they'll say to me, Peter, you know what? That church just wasn't welcoming. But, you know, I've yeah. had multiple conversations with black people that have walked into churches and said, hey, they didn't say hello to me. And the feeling was either this church has gotten rid of through unkindness or just maybe not listening, the black people in this church, or black people have never felt welcome in this church to stay. And and I yeah. would just say that to my white brothers and sisters, like, you yeah. know, this is why, like, when we talk about the church being hospitable, this is like, yeah. like, I think of, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but Jesus's disciples, there's Simon the Zealot, who, I mean, I'm just freewheeling now, I might get in trouble. He's basically, yeah. Yeah. he's, he's Occupy Wall Street, you know? And Absolutely. then, <laughs> and then there's Matthew, who yeah. is like criminal IRS. And they're, yeah. <laughs> they're in a small group together. Like, they're not just in a small yeah. group together. They live together. They and, do life. They <laughs> do life together. Yeah. <laughs> and, and somehow Jesus made it work. And when we talk about the church, like, yeah. it's not enough to just, you know, and I'm talking to everybody here, whether you're a pastor, like, yeah. people sense if it's real. It's not enough Absolutely. just to sit there and say, I see this person sitting next to me, when literally the biggest response, the the most impact that you can have in the gospel when the coronavirus is over is to shake someone's hand. Like, even just to yeah. say hello. Like, what that yeah. does in that moment, um, I don't know, you just got me going. I, I mean, I don't know, what do you, I yeah. mean, you're dealing with this in the church. How are you kind of creating an environment for the the um, the Simon and Matthew relationships to happen. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, I think, um, you know, as this stuff has been happening, I write a, a post to my church every week, just a word from the pastor. A lot of times I'm like, okay, what, what am I going to write about? But obviously in these preceding weeks, um, it's been something, we, you know, whether it's love, whether it's humility, whether it's noticing, whether, you know, the, Samaritan before, you know, the good Samaritan story, before he went over to check on him, he had to have something feeling internally. So just getting back to the heart issue that this is about 
the heart. We can do all these things. Here's the danger. We can do all these things on the outward part and still get it wrong in our heart, mm. you know? And that's the danger as well. We could cancel people in our hearts before we even, you know, welcome them. And that's where Jesus was saying, you know what? It's not about just killing someone, but if you hate someone in your heart, you've already, you know, missed mm. the boat. And so, man, it's really challenged my church and all my stuff. We've got to look in the heart of the matter. Um, so it's me checking out on one another, checking and encouraging them to do the very same, writing about it, preaching about it, um, you know, and just really trying to say, let's be brave. Let's be courageous. Let's hear each other's stories without any type of desire to tell them they're wrong or not. Let's really listen to understand. Um, let's listen and be objective versus listening and being subjective. All right. Mm. Um, and really, really challenging us to look in our own hearts because I believe we all to some degree can have blind spots mm. if we're willing to look, you know, and that's the thing. Are people willing to look? And I think some folks who have not been willing to look, it's uh, either pride, it's denial, it's perhaps even I've been offended. And I think we need to get beyond this whole I'm offended deal when it comes to these situations, because we got to see the bigger issue here is about, you know, the gospels, about Jesus, about other person. And so if I'm always worried about me and what I think and my comfort and me being safe, you know, that's not Christianity even. And so um, I think we've got to really do some checkers as the church continually as we move forward. And I believe these are great opportunities yeah. um, to do that. You know, and, and maybe this, don't miss it. no, man, and maybe this is a great opportunity to transition into some of that. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and we, we've talked a little bit about this, but, but let's say in this moment, the church decides to deal with it, right? Let's yeah. say the church leans yeah. into this and, and, yeah. and actually says, we are going to live this out, practically speaking. Yeah we've had enough of ignoring it. We're going to live this yeah. out. How do you think Absolutely. that might have a ripple effect on the rest of society if the church was willing to really deal with it? Yeah, yeah. You know, great question. I think, um, you know, I think we are making decision, and the church has made a decision of the, to, to, to deal with a lot of things in our world. And, and sometimes you can look on both ends. Have we really, you know, succeeded? Whether it's, you know, the value of life, you know, an abortion. Um, you know, we, we know where we stand. We've voiced about it. We've, we've done a lot with clinics and helping and adoption, all this. You know, what I get concerned about is that we still see the abortions happening. You know what I mean? So it can make one person can think, you know what? Are we even changing? Are we even making a difference? Mm. Um, I think about in the area of, you know, um, you, get the, you name it out there. We could speak high about, let's take, take racism, okay? It seems like the church is rising up. We're, we're talking, we're making decisions and all those type of things. And then there's a part where I say, you know what? As long as humanity is around, we're going to have this thing here. Mm -hmm. So what we've got to understand is that God has called us the church to be the salt of the earth. All right. We're here to preserve just like salt back then preserved meat from the game. We got to preserve this world from going crazy. Mm -hmm. And so the moment happened, we got to see that, man, we, we can't afford to just hide and think that this is going away. 
okay? So we're already going to be in the minority no matter what, mm-hmm. okay? We're going to be in the minority. So I think sometimes releasing this mind, mindset that we're going to rescue and save the day. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Mm-hmm. I believe you can make an impact. But, man, sin is a been here for a long time. You know what I mean? It's been here. And until God comes to consummate his kingdom, uh, we're going to still be dealing with the effects of the fall. But having said all that, um, I would say some practical things, my brothers. Um, number one is this. So with that, don't be surprised, okay? In First Peter it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, though something strange were happening to you. You know what? We're going to see this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know some white pastors, some friends of mine, that are getting heat because they've been speaking out against this. Mm-hmm. And in their church, and they're nervous, they're, and I almost want to say, wow, welcome. You know, mm-hmm. not always, but I'm just like, they're nervous. They're, they, they, they ruffled some feathers. They've gotten some notes in, in regards to their messages. So I get that. And I would say, again, for the church and whole, don't be surprised, okay? This isn't new. It isn't strange. And all who desire to live a godly life, no godly life, you're going to be persecuted. So there's going to come some tension, even with walking towards steps of righteousness in this. I would say this as well. Don't take the bait. You know, we can't fight worldly issues, um, sinful issues, which are spiritual issues, like the world fights. Remember, our weapons are not carnal. They're powerful for the pulling down of strongholds. So we need to be saturated in Scripture. We need to get God's mind, you know, on this. You know, we need to be in prayer. Perhaps even add some fasting to that. We need to have courage to call out and denounce injustice. That's what the Bible says. Speak out against injustice. We need to have humility. We need to come down and hear people. We need to work together. See, that's the thing. It can't be just black people moving towards. I need my white brothers and sisters to move forward with me, mm-hmm. if not to be even louder. But we need to move together in harmony. Um, we need to clothe ourselves with the fruit of the Spirit and the armor of God. Um, in all of this, putting on love. We need to have forgiveness and repentance. I would say this to some people. Don't be colorblind. Be color conscious, okay? Often Chip Brown, she writes that, you know, about color conscious. And she says it is to be aware of race, to no longer disregard it as a as meaningless or minute. People who are color conscious are comfortable noticing difference without ascribing superiority and inferiority to those differences. It's pretty powerful. They can appreciate cultural differences in a diversity of thought, perspective, and experience that race brings to the world. We need to see that we all bring something to the world. Not what the stereotype media may put on black people, but man, there's gifts, there's beauty that we all bring to the world. And so she says that color-conscious people refuse to ignore race because they are too busy exploring it for all its beauty, quirkiness, and yes, messiness. All right. I think that's amazing. Um, I would say, again, don't just have people of color at the table. Give them a place at the table. Mm-hmm. Welcome them. Beware of just wanting someone of color to fill your color quota. Mm-hmm. We want to become friends. We want to know your story. We want you to know our story. Seek to know ours. Let's do together. Let's talk about marriage together. Let's talk about raising, talk about being single. and in co- We need to talk about normal things outside of just racial issues when they come up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely um, makes another sense. Another thing, um, don't talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
don't talk about race when the culture is talking about it or when something happens. I've, t- I've talked about that. Um, and then I would say, again, don't throw in the towel uh, because, again, there's two coins to crisis. There's, there's danger, all right, and then there's, there's opportunity. And so these are some of my practical ways of us moving forward as a church in the midst of all of this. Mm. Wow. Man, we could probably go for another three hours and, uh, you know, we, <laughs> I, 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 I seriously could. I just love hearing <laughs> Gavin talk, man. I'm, I'm like, this is, uh, I might not be amening like verbally everything yeah. you're saying, but in, in inwardly, I, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm amening uh, you all along the way. So yeah. yeah. And, and John didn't even grow up Pentecostal. I didn't even so, grow up Pentecostal so and, you, and you've got me Pentecostal yeah. all of a sudden. So, it's great. Um, I got you. Okay, man. <laughs> um, So here's the deal. I think, love what you said. I think John and I, when the coronavirus is over, we're we're secretly hoping we can get you to come visit Rochester. We just want to hang out with you. Oh, man. But, um, love it, no doubt. um, We always close with one question to this show. And here's the deal with us having this conversation. You know, we've had a couple podcast episodes about racism and it's come up. But this, you know, as Eugene Peterson would call it, this is a long obedience in the same direction. Um, Absolutely. And so I guess the question is, you know, we close it. John and I are going to answer. Then you're going to close with it is what does Jesus have to do with this topic? What does Jesus have to do with this question? So, John, do you want to get started or? Sure, sure. I mean, I, I... Uh, there's so many different ways you could attack this question, and we have, really. I mean, we've tried to sum it up in in, in many different ways. I mean, you talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Uh, you talk about Jesus talking about leaving the 99 to go for the one. You, you, you talk about all the things that Jesus really emphasizes in, in his in his ministry. But but I as as Gavin was talking, I'm I'm thinking to myself of this image that Jesus uses, and I've and I've talked about this before. I think on the podcast, but but Jesus summarizes his life mission in that he says he has come to bring life and have it to the full. He's and then, but before that, yeah. he tells he says what the enemy came to do, and he's referring to Satan yeah. in this, and he says he came to kill, to steal, and destroy. He wants to separate. He wants to 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 cause death. I want to bring life. I want to bring people together. That's my mission. That's what I'm about. And he wants to 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 cause destruction and to and to keep people away from each other. And I think the 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 moment we take our eyes off of that reality, as Gavin was just so brilliantly talking about, the moment we take our eyes off of the reality that this is very much a spiritual thing, then we lose sight of of what it's going to take to to really to really address it. Like this is a deeply spiritual issue and Jesus makes us aware of that. And he says, but Hey, I want to let you know why I'm here. I'm here to bring life and to bring healing and, and, and to bring a connection between people again. Um, so that's where my mind's going as I'm hearing you talking, Gavin. And, and I believe in a hope for the future as well. As you're talking about hope, I'm resonating with you and going, man, I, I, I have a hope for that as well. So, I, um, I've been thinking a lot about Jesus and Gavin, I loved the way that you described Jesus's privilege. Um, just that he gave up the riches of heaven to walk among us. I, I I just want to take a moment in Jesus's genealogy. 
there's two women that just stand out. There's a woman by the name of Rahab, who's a prostitute, um, Joshua in the walls of Jericho. And like basically in Jewish terms, she didn't belong. And then a couple couple decades later, there's a woman named Ruth who is a Moabite, didn't belong, pick up picked up the scraps. And I wonder if that genealogy, if that reminder to the church is this, is we have a savior who identifies with people that feel ostracized, who feel out of place because he's felt that. And when yeah. that becomes real, and and I, I, I've been thinking about this, you know, when Jesus commissions the church, because we're talking about the church here, in Acts 1.8, he says to go to Jerusalem, which is basically, that's for, for us here, that's our Rochester, for you, that's Baltimore. You go to your Jerusalem, yeah. Judea, um, Samaria, and the other ends of the earth. And Samaria was not, um, Samaria was not the place to go, um, you know, for, you know, ethnic reasons, but, but God in his infinite wisdom said that the greatest message of the gospel is people from every race, every background, every socioeconomic background, every, every old, young men, women, that is the greatest message that we can preach of the gospel. So whether you're listening to this as a leader or a pastor, you serve a savior that is far more multicultural than we talk about in America in 2020. And he's called us to live that. So Gavin, go ahead, close us up. That's so good from both of you. You got me in tears. I'm not <laughs> just saying that. Just a great, you know, a great description of what the gospel is and how we should act. But I would just end with just, just saying, considering why the early church was persecuted by Rome. You know, they weren't subjected to persecution because they were intolerant or because the Romans were especially mean. The first Christians were persecuted because of the message they proclaimed, that there's another king and another kingdom. Mm. And Caesar, he may have been in power, but he's not worthy of worship or sacrifice. Only Jesus Christ, who triumphs over Caesar and any other worldly ruler. Um, I want to challenge our Christian people that we've got to understand we have one ruler who's already victorious. Mm. We shouldn't be afraid anymore. Mm. We shouldn't be afraid to go out to the heart. You know, I had a white brother and sister brother call me a couple of years ago to say, hey, we live three hours away, but I think our daughter has run away and she may be in your town. We used to live there. Can you go? And I just jumped out, got in my van and drove up because here's the deal, fellas. I had two daughters mm. and I had to put myself in his shoe that if my daughter ran away, I would do whatever I could mm. to go after her. And I, I, I want to just say that as hard as this may be, as awkward as we may feel, no matter what people say about us as followers, when we start living an upside down way, it is worth it. We got to do it because we're not called just to be comfortable. We're called to advance this kingdom mm. and Jesus is our leader. So mm. let's act like him and let's live with him and with his, with his applause in mind. Mm. Uh, Gavin, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have you on again. Um, and um if know, he'll have if he'll be on again with us that well is. it's an open invitation <laughs> you, you you can call <laughs> us yeah. whatever you want to talk about you call us i know i know you're 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 an orioles and uh redskins fan right washington 
Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. Yep, yep, yep. So, so yeah, we, yeah. um, yeah, we, yeah. we just appreciate you. Follow him on Facebook. He's also on Instagram, but the majority of stuff he does, just look up Gavin Brown on Facebook. Um, and uh, just, we're so glad to have you. If you would like to share uh, the Why God Why podcast, use hashtag WGW podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and uh, make sure you go to our website, whygodwhypodcast.com. Thank you so very much for joining us. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.